Hey everybody, welcome to Between the Horns. Uh, we've been on a bit of a break, but now Defar and I are actually in the same place, and we are not in the Ram Studio connected by AT&T. We're actually in a hotel room in Providence, Rhode Island, easy uh, for me to say. Yeah, um, interesting. This is the best studio I've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we wanted to get together because, you know, we haven't gotten together in a yeah. while and wanted to talk some balls. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving related. to you, too. And happy holidays. Yeah. Yes, yes, to you and everybody that's listening. Um, so the Rams are 4-7 and seven now, and, you know, it's been sort of a trying week for a lot of different reasons, but let, let's we can stick to what's been going on on the field, and, you know, I, I don't know what we can say positively really about the 49 to 21 loss to the New Orleans Saints last week because it but look you ended the first half well two minute drill you know Jared goes down the field and they get the touchdown but in the if the beginning of the second half you let up a 61 yard run and it's yeah. just like wow okay well this is how it's gonna go yeah too many letdowns I guess I mean there's some bright spots I mean the play of your quarterback your young quarterback he got better from start one to start two um, so let's hope that carries over uh, into this Sunday. Um, Aaron Donald, um, I know I told you I wouldn't talk about him, but you, okay, no. So when you, you can get you a did, sack that fast, come on, man, that you, was incredible. What you did is you told me to stop talking about Aaron Donald because all we do is all, it's all the same every week, and so well, you told me to stop talking about. But Aaron I haven't Donald. seen anybody make a play like that on any quarterback in the National Football League this year. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's basically a two-step ball gone, and Drew Brees got hit before he got to the top of his drop. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was amazing. Got the ball out, got your offense uh, together in scoring territory, and they put the ball in the box. So, no, I, I, there's some bright spots, but then, you know, once the offense went stagnant, you turned it over, and then Drew Brees started to get warm. I mean, you could see what was going to happen. I mean, it was just, you know, the, the, the wave crested over, and you were underneath it, and you just couldn't stop. It was an onslaught of offense by, by New Orleans. It was, and I think that's – you have to expect that kind of thing from them because they are who they are. I mean, Number that's, one that's, scoring that's, offense for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and that's who they've been um, for years under Sean Payton and with Drew Brees. And I guess, you know, Fisher talked about it this week and how defenses sometimes just have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Is that your impression of it? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much that's going on when you're facing guys like Drew Brees, like Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a complete mind screw. <laughs> I don't know any other way yeah, to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensively, I mean, he's putting everybody in peril. They're reading everything on defense, and they're they're separating you from the technique of the man next to you. Um, there's just so much to worry about. And if you make a mistake, boom, the ball's gone. Um, with the running game, uh, you're worried about all these crossing routes, crossing routes, so that's going to freeze the second level. Mm-hmm. And then they run the ball, and he pops through, and there's a dead run to the safety with an Ingram or, or whoever's carrying the rock, and it's tough to bring down. And then your next snap, same look, except the ball goes beyond you or behind you right. uh, via pass. So it's just it, it's it's four straight quarters of just – like I said, mind screw football. And if you don't have the offense to keep up and the score gets lopsided, it only gets worse. Yeah, and I think that, well, one of the things that we've been talking about the entire year is how the Rams have not been able to generate much offensively. I mean, you're talking about a team that went four games without scoring more than 10 points. Oh, and wow. that is really, really tough on your defense. And that's why you incredibly did win one of those games. Yeah, yeah. And that was the one where you scored nine instead yeah. of 10. But. Even so, I think, 
and I'm not trying to, you know, throw one unit under the bus to another, but when the offense is not generating that many points and you have a defense that is doing as well as it's doing and right. then you go and play the number one offense in the league, sometimes these things are going to happen. And you give them a nine-minute time of possession advantage. Yes. I mean, that's just too much information for Sean Payton and Drew Brees to process on your defense. And there's also a familiarity between what the Rams were running and what Drew Brees knew because of Greg Williams, that little connection there. So uh, he had a beat on the defense. Um, The the score got lopsided. He was out there longer, so eventually... Like you said, that wave was going to crest. But like, if you factor in New Orleans and then New England that you have this Sunday and then Atlanta coming behind them, high-powered offenses. Uh, but I think what you saw in New Orleans, by virtue of being in New Orleans, um, was the stiffest defense you're going to face over the next three weeks if you include New Orleans. So there are plays mm-hmm. to be made versus New England. Um, there are plays to be made versus Atlanta. Yes. Uh, there are... Good defenses, solid. They yeah. all get paid just like everyone else in the National Football League, but there are no killers on those defenses. So there are opportunities. There's going to be opportunities for Kenny Brett to get open, for Lance Kendricks to have a high target day. Let's hope he you know, catches most of them, like a 70% uh, catch rate mm-hmm. for, for Lance Kendricks. I can see those type days. So, And there's always the possibility that the run game, featuring Todd Gurley, could break out versus New England, versus Atlanta, to pace the offense and keep those other offenses on the bench. But it's got to happen now. It's got to happen right now. Or you're going to be one of those 7-9 BS teams or worse. Well, yeah, and I think that's sort of what you're kind of staring in the face, unfortunately, because, I mean, we're basically in the same situation right now that they were in last year, you know, and, you know, you're 4-7, looking at four and eight going into you know the last four games of the season and that's literally the exact same spot that they were in last year it's when the coaching changes started happening for the Rams and so I think right now you want to continue to get things better with Jared Goff because as that continues to happen um, the offense will obviously get better and will score more points. I agree man I mean look you you think about what Case Keenum did last year to finish the year and that was with a, a Todd Gurley that was just running wild. So now you've got a better prospect at quarterback. The the upside is greater with a Jared Goff. If you can only get the running game with him to supplement, like you said, you went on a tear last year to finish out the year. Same thing could happen, and the offense could be measurably better because you improved the quarterback position. Only if you get the running game going. Only if you can get Todd Gurley to look like he did to finish out the year last year. So what do you think has been the biggest issue with the run game, if that's wow. what you need to get going? Um, you know, <laughs> it's funny when you when you watch it, and I know it sounds like coach speak, uh, but it's true. Um, you're one block away. Uh, you're one missed read away. And if you can it's, – it's a stack box, eight men. If you can just make the free hitter miss in the hole, there's no one behind him. So – you see running backs get out of eight-man boxes, and when they do, it's mm-hmm. off to the races because yes. you have sold out to stop the run. So it's right there. Um, but right there is no longer acceptable. You must hit these plays. Right. Um, especially on the road in New England, in hostile territory with a coach that does not like you, <laughs> that, that's not afraid to pile on points. So if you can't keep pace and keep Brady off the field – 
let's just say it this way. The longer he stays on the field, the more points they're probably going to score against you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he's looking for every opportunity to score. So this is paramount this week to get that ground game going. You know, it's funny. I mean, you, you bring it up like that. I think uh, Greg Williams said on Friday in his press conference, uh, he's talked about how Tom Brady's always playing with a chip on his shoulder. And, he was, and Greg Williams goes, yeah, it's probably about the same size, not a little bit bigger than the chip on my shoulder or something like that. And I think bigger. that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you think about all the things that Tom Brady has had to go through, I mean, particularly this year, for something that happened back in 2014 that... We can talk a little bit more about this later, I guess. But Deflated footballs. Yes, right. And okay. we're talking about deflated football still. Um, but I, and sideline passes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. But um, I, I want to go back to Jared Goff a little bit because we have not really gotten together since he took over yes. as a starting quarterback. Did you get your sideline pass? Just checking. <laughs> Did you get yours? I think so. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I've got mine. I, I, I'm going to be a little nervous walking <laughs> to the field. I might be, you know, not allowed to get down there. Who knows? <laughs> Jared Goff. <laughs> yes. Jared Goff. Your impressions of him through two games. You know, look, I, I think he got, he, he's getting better. Um, and he's getting better from the time we saw him in training camp. Coming out of preseason, where you could clearly see he's not ready. Yeah, he's not ready for the right, show. Right, right. Um, and then those flashes of some of those nice passes, those tight spirals, throwing darts, and you you can see what could be when he's ready. Uh, and then becoming the backup, and um, you know, going from a deer in headlights look to a calm, cool customer that looks like a normal backup to a kid that wants to get out there. Now mm-hmm. you can tell, like, let me get out there and play and show what I can do. Then first start. Then you go to New Orleans, you take on Drew Brees, and you have a pretty good uh, first two quarters, and then it all goes south on you. So it's going to grow. So let's hope uh, that he makes a huge leap this week because you're going to need everything he's got just to stay in the game, and then you're going to have to fight it out to beat New England. You know what I've been impressed by is his pocket presence and the way he can evade the pass rush. And I remember you know, going back to looking at his film um, in college, even before the Rams made the trade, uh, and and I just thought that that pocket presence is something that is really going to help him translate his skill set into the league and be a successful passer. And I think we didn't see it as much uh, against Miami, in part because of the field conditions. They were awful. Yeah. I mean, that rain in Southern California is rare, and to have rain at the Coliseum, I mean, you were down there. What, yeah. how, how bad were the field conditions? Yeah, I mean, it was it was wet. I mean, it, it felt like a college day back in Seattle. I mean, it was, it was really, really wet, and there was no way to get around it. Um, so it was, I wouldn't say it was horrible conditions, but it, it did change the game for a lot of guys. Um, you worried about throwing passes, you worried about the catch, you worried about tips and overthrows because that could happen or putting the ball on the ground. And sure enough, both things did happen. So that's what happens with weather. But I'm with you, man. That's the stuff you can't teach. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When you see him move around in the pocket and scramble to throw and you know, he's under pressure, slides right, slides left, and then he sets the throw and gets the ball out. I mean, look, uh, I could see why, like, it, it, the records didn't show it at Cal, but that stuff did show up to where you, you'd look and go, wow, this guy is different from every other quarterback we're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, so keep going with that. Let's hope that progresses because sometimes you try to do too much with these young quarterbacks and you coach out of them what makes them great anyway. So right. uh, what you want to do is supplement that um, and just know that, hey, look, we can call a four or five receiver route if need be. Because he could buy time in the pocket and protect himself and get the ball out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all that stuff is a plus for, for your offense, just as long as 
you know, he continues to get better. Yeah. And, you know, when you bring that up, um, you know, how st- the stuff you can't teach, I just think about Aaron Donald and the way that Greg Williams, I remember, addressed um, the drafting of Aaron Donald and actually went back and I watched an old video of, you know, what happened when, um, like, Mike Waffle's comments, uh, defensive line coach, what he was saying about Aaron Donald. And both of them were really talking about how he just has stuff that you can't teach. And I, yeah. in that video, Waffle <laughs> said, you know, when he comes in, he's one of the only guys where I just say I'm just going to look at him and I'm not going to try to coach him yet because yeah. he is that good. And it's just so funny to watch this, you know, two, three years later and see why because what he did as a rookie was awesome. And then just the coaching has been able to supplement it. But what I, Greg Williams always says about Aaron Donald is he's got the stuff from mom and dad, right? Like right. That's the stuff you don't even want to mess with. And then you just kind of want to supplement it and make sure that he's getting better at the rate that he should be getting better at. Help him become a better football player because sometimes guys, when they're that good, and I mean he is really that good, yeah. you can't block him one-on-one. There's not a pro bowler out there. <laughs> An all-pro. I don't care if the guy's headed to Canton right now, or, or potentially. Um, whoever you think is the best young guards and centers in the league, you can't stop him one-on-one. So there is a tendency to try to do too much when you're that good. And sometimes you get caught out of position and violates the defense. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do if you're Greg Williams, I mean, you're not coaching technique. You don't have to stick the cattle prod up his butt and say, you've got to go harder to beat this one-on-one. That's already happening. <laughs> it's already happening. If there's anybody you don't have to no, do that with, it's That's him. <laughs> already happening. But what you have to do is say, Aaron, look, this is what they're trying to do to you. Right. This is what they're trying to do to us, and this is where we need you to be. Now, it may not be something you share with the rest of your defense because they're playing discipline ball, but for guys like him, you have to make sure he understands game situations, mm-hmm. what's happening, and when you can take those chances. Same things coaches had to do with Junior Seau back in the day, mm-hmm. got rest of soul, Lawrence Taylor back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, all these, all the great players that play the game like Aaron Donald, when they're that freaking good, it's you just have to get them to understand the game a little bit better like a coach would. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he thinks he can win and change the game on every single play. Because I, he can. And he can. I love that attitude, but, I mean... You sometimes you can't right because seen, well because yeah. because a, a team like New Orleans if, and a team probably like the Patriots as well will scheme to kind of take advantage of that aggressiveness. Oh yeah, and we've seen that a little bit. And See some of those run plays that popped. I mean, yeah. Look, Aaron Donald is giving his guy hell, but you may have been a little too far away from your nose tackle. It's it's not there's a hole there. It's just what I call a separation technique, hmm. and it's a vertical seam that you create because this guy is playing so much harder than the other guy. Right. Yeah, so it's not necessarily you've blocked Aaron Donald, you've just allowed him to do what he does and you block the other guy and there's a seam there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like you you've Aaron you've let Aaron Donald run himself out of the play. Yeah, which I, a lot is not Right. Which is I mean, when you got a guy with the kind of motor that Aaron Donald has and he's going 100 miles per hour every single snap, it that's the kind of thing you can kind of do with them. Right. And, I mean, like, sometimes you have to sit there and flatten out and, and, and resist the urge to knock that SOB's head off in front of you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, yeah. yeah I, I no, mean, it's just a funny way to put it. You resist right. the urge, sit on the line of scrimmage, and kind of play it boring. Yeah. And then pick your spot. See, this is the stuff you have to talk 
to Aaron, like if you're Greg Williams, mm-hmm. it's a deeper level of football because you have a great player up front. So, um, Or uh, what you can do is, look, Aaron can get everybody around him to play to his level. Yeah. Demand that out yeah. of everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then your defense changes. But it's always good when you have that sort of guy on your D-line or on your defense, period. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, you alluded to this play earlier, but just the play where – he goes and gets Drew Brees, and they get the sack and the sack fumble. I mean, when I saw that play, it reminded me of when you were talking about how you know you assume that the DBs can't cover. Always. And, yeah, well, and that's not necessarily what was happening at the time, but they always talk about rushing cover. It goes hand in hand, right? And right. so well, on that play, they were trying to get Michael Thomas on a double move with Tremaine Johnson on the outside, and by the time Michael Thomas is doing the double move and Drew Brees is on the ground. Right. Like, I, we did this play for All-22. If you'd like to watch it on therams.com, you can. But, like, that's that's what was happening. And so when you talk about Russian cover going hand-in-hand, well, if they can't get the deep pass out, then it's because of Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. And it's just the way that he brings the pass rush time after time after time. Well, usually, like, way back when, it was you can't drop to seven or stay out of shotgun and drop back and throw it because Robert Quinn will hit you. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to dip and rip, and he's going to turn right at seven, so you're going to have to step up into the pocket. So you're praying for an interior presence. Then you get Aaron Donald, right? So that helps Robert Quinn. That helps the pass rush. Quarterback can't step. Uh, there's really nowhere to go to protect himself, so all routes are going to be quicker. So then, how do you get away from Aaron Donald? Well, let me just go to three and get the ball out fast. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, because he's getting to you on that too. So the thing I did like about that play, and I did see the all 22, and it's phenomenal, but look at Drew Brees' reaction. <laughs> he didn't know what hit him. Yeah. Like, I've never been hit this fast ever. This yeah. is impossible. That that's There's no way I could have. Was that my own guy? <laughs> right. It's just weird. Like, oh, my God. Oh, that was him? Well, let me walk back. And for a minute, you had them on their heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the type plays that will change games and change people, like Drew Brees. So, hopefully, you'll get one of those plays against Brady. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if Brady's got a little bit of a sore knee, uh, the last thing he wants to do is get hit by, you know, a, a six-foot defensive tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's playing for keeps. So, yeah, uh, as long as you continue with that. And... Look, sometimes you're not going to get there because every protection scheme is going to be built to stop him now. Yes. Either by virtue of sliding the line to him, which means a center and a guard are going to be responsible for him, or bringing a back through Mm -hmm. just to hit him, chip him, uh, just to muddle it up a little bit so he doesn't have a free rush to the quarterback. So uh, sometimes Aaron Donald is going to be blocked or doubled or tripled. So you're going to have to cover in the back end a little bit longer. Yeah. Or somebody else has to get there. but. Eventually, you're going to have to lock up and match up with a guy and defend the pass. So that needs to happen, too. Because when the ball gets out, it can't be an easy completion Mm -hmm. for any quarterback. I mean, that has to be contested. Um, So I always assumed we had no coverage. So if you're a corner, (laughs) no, really. I I know. Even when we did. But it makes me laugh every single time when you say that. (laughs) But but here's the thing. I would bet that our corners, the the way they played, assumed we weren't going to have a pass rush. Sure. So it all goes hand in hand, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, Well, that's that's a lot of talk about Aaron Donald for two people who continue to say we're not going to talk about Aaron Well, you said positives from last Sunday. I know. That was the two. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Besides the punt team. Which, Which has been always, dynamite all yeah, year. Yeah, yeah that's true. Shout out to Johnny yeah. Hecker and those guys. A couple of good kick returns by Benny. Yes. Um, I think you're going to need to... This is so funny, and this is so, like, horrible. Uh, kick return is probably one of the toughest things to do. Bring one to the house, right? Yeah. So Benny's been close. 
To beat he New has, England, you're going to have to return one for a touchdown. Really? You think so? You're going to have to have some non-offensive touchdowns. I, I agree with that. I e- do agree with either that. Either you're going to have to return a kick, return a punt, or block a, block a punt. Or block a field goal and scoop that thing and score. Score on defense in some uh, way. Score on defense. Yeah, you're going to have to supplement your offense yeah. in some way. Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, so let's we talked about you know one 2014, 2014 first round pick for a while. Let's talk about the other for a second with Greg Robinson. Um, oh and, boy. Yeah. You know that Jeff Fisher said he needed a break. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't active last week. Roger Saffold took over left tackle, injured his hand, and you know then had to go out for the game. And then Andrew Donnell comes in, and I think does Played pretty well. Yeah, does, yeah. does an admirable job. You better um, filling <laughs> with in. that hair. When you got hair <laughs> like that. You better, be a, you better be a baller when you got hair like that. <laughs> yeah, you can't go in there and be a stiff. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he did a good job um, protecting Jared Goss blindside. You know, and when you have yeah. the rookie quarterback, and it's his second game out there and then the Saints defense is pinning their ears back and they're coming. I, I, I thought Andrew Donnell, you know, did a nice job filling in there. But back to Greg Robinson, um, what do you think it is that he has to do in order to make it work? Uh, grow up. Um, become a professional. Hmm. Um, and he's young. Remember when he they, is young. When they took him out of Auburn. I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot left. There's a lot of room left for him to grow. Uh, and I, look this is gonna sound Bad. I'm not really comparing him to a canine, but it's like when I see friends of mine uh, and they, 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 they breed Rottweilers, and these dogs are so big, so fast, but they're still puppies. Hmm. They're huge. I mean, they're the size of, of people, <laughs> but they're still puppies, and they act like puppies. And, I mean, once you get past the size and you realize, oh, my God, he's only been on this earth a couple of years. He's got a long way to go. So I, I see the... The same sort of thing in Greg. When you see him, you're like, geez, yeah. that is pro size. That's yeah. what you want. I yeah. mean, he looks good getting off the bus. And then you watch him in game situations and he makes mistakes and stuff that doesn't need to happen. Well, that's that's a guy being young. That's a guy being professional. Um, that's that's like a kid who, who shields his own eyes and says, you can't see me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm invisible. Well, yeah, we can see you, kid. You're in the middle of the room. Well, yeah. Greg is at left tackle, and you can't get away with stuff like that right. anymore. They're going to flag you every single time. So it used to be funny. It's not funny anymore. You're costing the team drives and first downs. Um, and you've been coached. You've been told. I mean, the, the whole world thinks you're a bust. So you can't get away from it. Right. And then it continues to happen. So what's your only recourse? Well, you're not going to cut them. You're you have to sit him down and, and, and hope that that gets through to him. So, you know, being in Louisiana, being back home and, you know, talking to him, uh, he played for free because he had he gave away so many tickets. And then your whole family came to see you sit on the bench. Yeah. Man, if that don't change you, if that don't force you to get right, then nothing will. Yeah. Yeah, that that is the ultimate there. That was, that was kind of tough, I'm sure, because, I mean, we talked to him in the locker room um, during the practice week once it, you know, became clear that, Greg was going to be um, back up and back at his left tackle position. And in case that has not been clear, that is that is almost certain to happen. Um, I mean, you can tune into the game tomorrow, but that's what's going to happen. Um, but it, just hearing him say, you know, that was really tough to have yeah. like almost 50 friends and family members coming there to watch. And, you know, you're playing back home and you're in the Superdome. And it's a place that obviously means a lot to him, being a Louisiana yeah. native. And for him to not be out there and to not play, I'm sure that was as tough personally as it could probably be. And I think you're right. If it doesn't get through to you and say, hey, you've got to be 
better. You've got to, you know, I, I don't want to say put in more effort because I don't the think it has been that, an effort thing. Well, the only person that put him on the bench was him. Right, yes. Yeah, you put yourself there. It's not what Jeff Fisher did or any coach's decision. That was a Greg Robinson choice. Yeah. So the choice is also out there for you to become a starter, Mm -hmm. to become what everyone thinks you can be, is a Pro Bowl caliber tackle or offensive lineman, depending on where they want to put him. But, yeah, I mean, to see that guy... That size, that strength, he's one of the strongest guys, if not the strongest, next to Donald. One of the strongest guys the Rams have on the football team, and he's healthy. To see him in street clothes, just, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a part that gets mad from a football perspective that you put yourself here, but I can only imagine what it felt like for him to have to face your teammates when they're in a battle in New Orleans and it's starting to turn south. And you're sitting there in street clothes and can't help. No, you can't yeah. help at all. So, I because mean, because you put yourself in that position. You put yourself there. So that stuff is going to burn. So let's hope that burns with him to be a pro, be more of a pro about what he does. You know, I, I read an interesting um, article from uh, Alden Gonzalez. He's the NFL Nation reporter for ESPN.com for the Rams, and he had talked to oh, offensive line coach Paul Boudreau, and what he, what Boudreau was saying was that you can tell. It bothers Greg Robinson that he is not performing up to the standard that he believes he should be and the the standard that would befit his draft position. And he said, and Boudreaux was saying, you know, if it did not bother him, then that's when the problem would come. You know, if he were not upset that these issues are still happening, these penalties are still happening. So that's why I, I don't necessarily think it is an effort thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think there's a difference between saying, oh, you know, this guy's not putting in the effort and saying this guy's just not performing well. I don't think Greg Robinson's committing penalties on purpose, right? I think... For the it, most part. Right. Well, Fisher's... Hitting the guy in the back, I mean... I, I cannot explain that. <laughs> when you see the name on I the back cannot, of the jersey... I, nobody, <laughs> nobody can explain that. And well, like like that's, I said, that's the dog... Chewing up the wall. Right. Yeah, he didn't mean yeah. to do it. No. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> I guess not. You should know better because this is year three. You know, right. you're, you're two and a half years in and you're the number two. You have to pick. know better. You have to know better. Yeah. And I think that's why you get that. Well, I mean, if you take the average uh, total snaps for any game on Sunday, it's going to be between 50 and 75, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, maybe a little bit less on a bad day, and maybe a little bit more on a great day when it's just really going for you. So if you take the average snaps that Greg Robinson plays, I would bet 90% are great. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that he does when he's playing well, when he's knocking people off the ball or blocking down on someone or locking you up on a uh, on a one-on-one pass rush, I mean, that's great. Yeah. You're taking away oh, great yeah. people. But it's the six or seven plays, the negative plays, and they're big that everyone focuses on. And I know that seems unfair, but that's the way it is for that position. Well, it is because you're on an island, and that's yeah. that, that's the nature of it. Well, think about it from the opposite side, from an Aaron Donald perspective. Um, you could play 60 snaps, and 59 of them are bonehead plays. Mm-hmm. But the one play you make <laughs> changes yeah. the entire game. Yeah. And you look like the hero. So, But that's what you signed up for. Um, that's, that's where it is. And, you know, talking to... A friend of mine, an ex-teammate, a guy I really respect, Jackie Slater, mm-hmm. uh, watching him go about his business, playing 20 years for one football team. Yeah, uh, you'll never see that again, no, you uh, unless you're unless it's a kicker or a quarterback yeah. now. Uh, but for one football team, but just watching him go about his business and working on his craft 
nonstop. That's all he did. That's all he talked about. That's all he worked on was being the best right tackle or best offensive lineman possible. And that's through film study. That's through working out. That's through on-field work. That's through mental repetition. Mm. So um, there was nothing else inside of or nothing else in Jackie's life at that time besides football and his family. Yeah. Now, if you can put Greg Robinson in that same vein, a much better athlete, stronger. Why couldn't the same sort of thing happen hmm. with him here? It is possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, you, you don't find specimens like that just everywhere. No, you do not. That can move like that. So the dedication has to be there, or you're going to keep seeing this guy that keeps making mistakes. Yeah, and I think that's one thing uh, Jeff Fisher brought up this week was that he's noticed and in this week of preparation – Greg Robinson doing a little bit more than he had before, and in terms of maybe film study and doing other different things like that. So yeah. hopefully that is a positive development. You're going to need Greg Robinson to be that guy. Yeah, I wish there was a grizzled old vet, and this is I know it's today's NFL, and this is a young football team. But yeah. if he had a guy to pattern himself after, that was either right next to him or on the other side, I think it would help. Well, um, the initial yeah. idea was to do just that with Jake Long. It just didn't work His out. His body broke down. Yeah. But, I mean, Greg, and I, I'm not in Greg's helmet. I'm not in his brain. Sure, sure, sure. He sure. could be doing exactly what he thinks he's being coached to do. Right. And, and, and he's just as shocked as anybody as to why he's getting penalized or picked on. Mm-hmm. But neither here nor there it's happening and you've got to fix it right now either your coach has to help you out through that or you have to do it on your own mm-hmm. either way what's been happening puts you on the bench yeah it must change now yeah, yeah. it must you're right and I, I think as we continue to to go through these last five games I mean it's going to be telling not just for Greg Robinson but for a lot of people you know, on uh, just the offensive line, but all around things. And, you know, Kenny Britt is one of these guys that I think has had, he's had a career year. You know, yeah. he's, a, he's at 788 yards receiving. Vote for Kenny. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can say vote for him on the Vote poll. for Kenny. Yeah. Right. He's, he, he's having probably the best season of his career. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> talking to Rob Boris this week, offensive coordinator, he said it's because of the way he has dedicated himself, not just to the stuff on the field, but to the film study and, you know, being in the classroom and, and doing all these good things. And so I guess that that's really why Kenny Britt is now on pace to be the first uh, Rams wide receiver to go over 1,000 yards since Torrey Holt in 07. And Torrey Holt played a long time ago. Yes. A long, it's been that, a long I, oh, time. Yeah, I, 07 is, you know, like 10 seasons ago. Yeah, and basically. that's, can we flip forward? I mean, that's funny. I was just thinking about Kenny Britt on the yeah. way down to oh, yeah. Studio 425. <laughs> 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 Don't tell him too much about where Studio my Studio 425. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I, I, I love the way Bill Belichick thinks um, mm-hmm. because he lives in a vacuum, as do I for the most part. Yeah. Love it. So most of, of the football viewing public, they don't see Kenny Britt as a number one receiver. Right. So when when he says Kenny Britt for the Pro Bowl, a lot of people, they kind of chuckle or laugh. Like, it's never going to happen. Look where your offense is ranked. But like you said, he's having a tremendous season. But Bill Belichick will look at the Rams and say, the Rams think Kenny Britt is a number one option. The Rams need Kenny Britt to get deep. When he makes big plays, that offense is successful and they score points. I know that sounds funny because you're not scoring that that many, but, but you're right. That's from, how from an opponent standpoint. That's how he's going to see it and break down. Yes. So, guess who they're going to take away on Sunday? Kenny Britt. <laughs> Kenny Britt, right, should be the guy that they try to double and take away and 
they'll force the ball either to Quick or to Kendricks. Yeah. And say, beat me with these guys. Mm-hmm. And they'll remove Kenny from the, the, the offense, the game plan. And it's happened before. Um, when, when teams have made an effort to take away Kenny Britt, they have. Mm-hmm. And um, the ball has to go elsewhere. So, look, if Kenny wants to be considered a pro bowler and a special, a number one receiver, then you can't be taken away. Right. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. have to show up in big games no matter what and what they're doing to you. So, um, if he really wants pro bowl consideration... Based on what they're going to do to him on Sunday, and you still get off, hey, look, you can make a pretty loud argument. I think so for too, being yeah. one of the better receivers this year. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that just the way Bill Belichick and you know his staff, and I, I you know, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator for uh, the New England Patriots, on this. They have schemed up guys, their opponents this year, extremely well. And it's not like they're getting that many takeaways, but they're still not allowing that many points because they have developed a system in which they can scheme different teams in different ways. Yeah. And so that's going to be probably the toughest thing for the Rams offense to deal with because you don't know exactly how they're going to attack you until True. you get there. Uh, it's gonna be, They're going to have a wrinkle for you. Every team does. Um, and New England's definitely going to have a few for you. But there's many ways to skin a cat on defense. Absolutely. And, and most people think when you play defense, it's up the field, it's aggressive. Well, you can also play passive mm-hmm. and keep everything in front. Let's see how many plays in a row this offense can run before they make a mistake. Yeah. And some teams can't. Some teams can't get a ball five plays before they make a mistake, and they go three and out, give the ball back to New England, That's or true. they turn it over. Um, but play soft, play soft, play soft until the field shrinks, and they'll get you in a red zone situation where it's tougher to throw. Right. And then they've got you. So they may give up yards and not give up points. Yeah. Yeah. And then you are you think you're having success offensively. Man, we can run it when we want. We're ripping it off at, you know, five, six, eight-yard runs. Uh, Kenny Britt's seeing the ball or our receivers are, you know, catching the football at a high clip. But for some reason, we're just not scoring. And you look up, well, that's what they're doing to yeah. you. That's the game plan they had for you. So I would expect a similar sort of defense. Um There'll be times when they dial it up and get after you and see if the Jared Goff can make the right read. But for the most part, I believe they're going to see if the Rams can string together a 10-12 play drive to score. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be tough because they really have not had that many of those this season. Right. And, I mean, <laughs> I've seen teams go like they, they just rip New England. They just absolutely rip them up the field. Big plays on offense, big runs, and then all of a sudden within that drive – is a three and out. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, yeah. move, 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 and then, and then just stop. You're halted. Yeah. Stop, right. Well, the, the, the interesting thing to me about Bill Belichick is just the way he has been able to coach against rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He's going going back to 2001. He is 16-5 and five overall, 8-0 and oh at Gillette Stadium, and 8-5 and five on the road when facing a rookie under center since 2001. Ridiculous. It's So, I, you know, Jared Goff is trying to become yeah. the first rookie quarterback to ever beat Bill Belichick at Gillette Stadium. You know, it's look, tough. Um, look, the whole Carson Wentz, Jared Goff argument, and Wentz was winning the battle early because he was on the field first, and he was winning, and then I think he's kind of come back to earth now. Yeah. So, if you want to surpass... Carson Wentz in the the public perception poll of who's the better quarterback than beat Belichick here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. As no, a rookie, you're, you're absolutely beat right. him here because nobody's ever done it. No one's ever. No done one it. has ever done it. You don't. If, if you come away with a victory, no matter how you do it, 
Do you think the Sporting News is not going to mention that? Sporting News? That's a Sports <laughs> Illustrated. <laughs> I'm just saying. ESPN. I, I mean, do, no, you're right. Do you think they're not going to talk about no, that? No, of course they are. Right. I mean, do you think he's not going to be, be asked I about mean, that? That's going to be the biggest story. Rather, yes. You know? Well, Goff beats Belichick in, in New England. A rookie quarterback beats Belichick. And then... How Belichick answers a question after the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> who do they have next? I don't know who they've got next, but it'll just be, you know. We're on to such and such. Yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, but, every, but this game is so huge. And I was just telling guys last night, I'm glad it's the Patriots because, let's be honest, um, the, the Fire Fisher crowd, that, that voice is getting louder and louder and yeah. louder and louder. And the, the, the momentum has swung the other way for this coaching staff, and it's got Hall of Fame legs pushing it. Right. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. Um, so the the only person or the only group that actually has a say in this is really Jared Goff in the offense. Really? If, so, yeah. well, you, you say Jared Goff in the offense, and you're sort of excluding the two other units of the team. Why, why do you say Jared well, Goff in the offense? The other two units are fine. Sure, right. I I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, but, and you're still 4-7. and seven. So what's been holding this group back the is the offense. They're scoring like 15 points per game so right now, let's just, and it's last right. by a lot. Let's just live in fantasy world for one second okay. and say that you come to New England and dominate the Patriots. I mean, from wire to wire. It's not a nail-biter. It's not a typical Rams victory, a defensive battle to where you eke it out in the fourth quarter. I'm talking about you beat them from snap one to the last. Mm-hmm. And... Belichick runs and hops the net and shakes your hand. That type of victory. And you continue that. Um, you continue that offensive growth. Then all of a sudden you increase your scoring to 28 to 30 points a game to end the year. That would be, that would be something. Well, who becomes the face of the team? Jared Goff does. And then he says, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to change a thing. And why would you? Exactly. <laughs> the only person that has a say in all this mm. is him. That's is that offense. Okay. Yeah. So, And I'm glad it's the Patriots. It's... This is pretty much it. We've reached the breaking point. Yeah. And you get the best of the league right now. See, if you're playing San Francisco this week and you win, what does that do for you? Right. If you're Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Not much. Mm. But if you beat New England, that changes a lot of opinions. It does change a lot of opinions. And I'm glad you've got them this week. It, and it's interesting, too. I mean, you know, we, we can go back years and years and years and all really more than a decade to talk about the Rams' record, you know, and they've not even reached a 500 record in, in basically a decade. I think the last time was 2006. So this is where we are right now. And I think, you know, it's, it's well and good to, to talk about – because you have to do this. You have to talk about competing for NFC West Division titles. That is something that you need to do because it's what your goal is. Goal one. But yeah. if the Rams would be able to finish 500 this season, it's not everything. And I said this last year when they were 7-8 and eight going into Week 17. It's not everything. You're not really accomplishing that part of your goal. But it's also it's not nothing. When the team has yes. not reached 500... It's something. As long as it's been, it's not nothing to me. And and yeah. especially if the way things have gone right now, if they could, you know, win four of the last five games and reach that point, that would be something. No doubt. I remember in this and I hate to go back, but just forgive me for one second. Sure. Because it's relevant. Um, the year we won the Super Bowl in nineteen ninety nine. Why do you hate to go back? That's why you're here. Because everybody every time I do, people oh you're going back to that again. Well, Glory days. No, 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 pass you back, glory days. Can we stop? Okay, thank you. But I can remember during that season when we picked up our eighth win 
and Dick Vermeil, our head coach, looking at everyone in the eye and saying, we're, we're, we're guaranteed not to have a losing season. Hmm. And that was my first. That was our first yeah. as a group. And something in me did change that day. Hmm. It, really, when, when you get beyond that point, when you're not below 500 and you actually have a chance to be a winning football team, it does change you. When they talk about changing the culture, that's it. Yeah. Right there. Huh. That moment right there changed us, and it changed me forever. I, how, 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 what deeper ways do you think it, it changed? Well, I, I mean, mean I, I don't know. You, I mean, when you're constantly losing and you're a losing football team, you know how bad it is. Look, you're, I, yeah, you're you're the beat writer for the Rams. How how hard has it been for you? Well, I mean, in, no, that, I'll go back. Is even that fair to say beat writer? Yeah, I think okay. So. I don't, don't want to. Yeah, offend well, you. I'm, no, I, I cover the beat. I'm there. Okay, I, I don't want to offend you. I'm I don't know. Sing it again, but no, it, it's. <laughs> I, you know, you were talking about 99. I'll go back to my glory days in high school. You yeah. Know, we, my first three years, I think we were five and five, four and six, and five and five again, or something like that, or whatever. But my senior year of high school, we got to the point where we were kind of running the table up until, I think, week seven of the season. So we yeah. started out 5 and and it was, it was different because... Yeah. Before, when you would win, you know, you have all the little traditions that you do. And at a certain point, we were kind of like, we've been doing this every week. We don't need to celebrate victories like we've really won something yeah. until we get in the playoffs because we haven't been there. You know what I mean? So once you, yeah. I think that's part of it. In this, you know, when you're talking about high school versus the NFL, it's one, it's one, two different, very, very, very different things. But I guess my overarching point is, once you get to a place where you are winning, it does change you mentally. And it, it changes does. your mentality and it kind of changes everything of the way you go about things. I'll share with you. Do you know what my image was when he said that, when Vermeil said that to us? What's that? It was the, the Evans family moving out of the ghetto. Hmm. I'm not kidding you. Huh. Like, good times. Yeah. That family yeah. had finally, and they're leaving it behind. Huh. That's what it felt like. That. All that negative stuff about Rams and bad, Rams and loser, Rams and below 500, we were leaving that behind. We had left it right there that day with our eighth victory. Hmm. All that is over, and we're moving on, and it just just changes you as a person, man. It it made you feel part of the elite class of the NFL, Hmm. and that's how we started to play. Yeah. I mean, we were good before, but I've I've seen a lot of teams that run off, you know, 10 wins in a row or nine wins in a row or whatever. And they're above 500, but they're, they still have that loser's mentality. Hmm. They don't believe they should be there. Huh. And eventually okay. it comes crashing down. Yeah. Just that day with how we had prepared and we had talked about that moment and then it happened and we're here and he mentioned it eye to eye with everybody. And then on in the same breath mentioned the other goals that were out there for us. Yeah. So let's put that to bed. That was the hardest. Yeah. We have changed our culture now. We are now different. Now let's go after these. Yeah. So it's out there. Um, so I'm with you. If if it's eight and eight or nine and seven, that does matter. It does. If you if you go into an off season at eight and eight uh, versus seven and nine when you're still losing, it's different. It is. Your your whole off season is different. So that's what you have to hope for, and you have to also hope that the offense, this whole team's personality, changes mm-hmm. for the next five six weeks. Yeah. That instead of a Special teams, defensive-led football team to, oh, my God, this kid Jared Goff is the real deal. Yeah. That changes everything. It does.
Alright, well, let's, let's switch gears a little bit, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about you, because you are a Washington Husky, and your Huskies are, you know, in all likelihood... The best. ...going to the college football playoff. You're damn right. You're trying to put Michigan in there. You're no, trying to make okay. me into a Michigan conversation. I, maybe I, I am a little bit, and so... The, you said that Michigan is better than Ohio State. I did, I said they... Well, you said Michigan was better than Ohio State. I, I, this is going to be really embarrassing. Who won now. the damn game? Ohio State. So who's better? Uh, I am an Ohio State <laughs> guy. I am an Ohio State fan. I am from Ohio. Like I am from Cleveland. Yes. I was very, very happy when Ohio State won that game. Like yes. I probably woke some people up in the hotel where we were in New Orleans yesterday. Do you believe all week. Power Five conferences are equal? No, with, absolutely not. I mean, but with I mean, pretty much equal. They're not though. Like how much? How much better? The Big Twelve is is almost equal to the SEC, really. And okay, I don't fair. even think the SEC is that good this year. Okay, fair. But like, how much better is the SEC than the Pac-12, in your opinion, perception-wise or, or or just reality? Well, I I would rank them like you know, SEC, Big Ten, uh, probably Pac-12, ACC, Big Twelve. Probably Pac-12. Wow. Uh, the, the ACC and the Pac-12 are like three. They're like tied for three in my mind. Big Ten has come back up in your opinion. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, okay. you've got like four teams in the top ten right now. I, I, you know, Between Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, I know. It's a bad conversation to have. <laughs> I, look, look. <laughs> look, you get no Big, no big Ten love here. Yeah, Why? Because that's, that's that. I'm a Pac-10, Pac-12 guy to yeah. the bone. Well, so I, Really? No. When, when we talk about like NFC West championships, that's number one. Yeah. My first goal, Pete Carroll's first goal when he was at SC, is to make the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And who do you play in the Rose Bowl? You play the Big Ten. And, right. So yeah, they're my mortal uh, enemies. Okay. So when you say the Big Ten is number two, it is. I actually agree with you. I, I know because I'm right. Well, I, when I mean number two, I mean like number two. Oh, please yeah. to USC to, to USC to the Pac-12 being. That's the just the top. way I feel about it. But look, no, I mean, <laughs> but if you look at just merit and how many losses does Michigan have? They have two losses. Now. And Washington has one, loss. one, and they just won their their championship. No, I, I would in probably, grand fashion. They Come did. On. No, they did. You're and die I probably for that? no, I probably wouldn't take them out. I might take out Clemson and put in Michigan instead because. Yeah. I, I just, the way Michigan's played all year, and, like, I am not a Michigan fan. I don't like them. I don't like that team up north. I don't, they, ugh. Ann Arbor, yeah. you know, no. So you're, you're basically but forgiving them I, for an Ohio State loss. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's fair double, towards the end of the year. <laughs> well, maybe, but it was double overtime. They had opportunities. They probably should have won that game, and they did not. And I think that JT Barrett made the first down. I thought he got on that line. And, like, if he didn't, I would say it. Um, But at the same time, Michigan has played really, really well this year. And I think maybe it's from a matchup standpoint. I would kind of like to see them take on Alabama. I I just... You want Harbaugh saving. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting And I I do, too. I would would buy a ticket to see that. Yeah, it would be really cool. But, you know, I think Harbaugh needs to tone it down a little bit. No, I want to see Harbaugh give Nick Saban the hard handshake. Like he did to Schwartz. (laughs) Slap him on the back. Let's let's see if you get away with that. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's see if you get away with that. No, but I'm with you, man. But, look, you you can't forgive teams for losses late when you're in the running for a championship. 
even if your eyes tell you that Michigan is a better football team than Team X, Y, and Z, you can't forgive losses this late in the uh, season. I guess not. You, you blow up the whole system, uh, in my opinion. Okay. You, you, you ruin everything. Would you feel the same way if Ohio State lost? If Michigan had won that game, would you uh, still I say think, Ohio State should be? Uh, probably the homer in me would, but I probably would not. Okay, I it was double play. overtime. The same thing should apply to Ohio State. You know? But... Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm like double standarding myself and like the, in the wrong way yeah. <laughs> as an Ohio State person. Yeah. It's funny, like <laughs> go back to the Olympics and this rarely ever happens. Um, it usually happens in college track meets to where a guy in the hundred has the fastest time that year. And he's clearly the fastest guy in the tournament or in the the track meet, but he loses in his heat and he does not qualify for the final. Yeah. I, well, you can't forgive the loss you can't. and put him in there just You're because right. he's better than everyone else. Well, you still have to qualify. Right. You still have to clear the bar yeah. to make the next level. So That's when you true. lose... You should get docked for it, not the other way. All right. Well, no, you're right. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, give me one big key to, to victory for the Rams. Rob Gronkowski is out. Yes. That is the biggest key I can give you. I know that's the most obvious thing, but... What does Martellus Bennett look like? Well, Martellus Bennett is also... You know, <laughs> I said this a long time ago when that move was made, and it wasn't a big deal then. Yeah. But I'm like, Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski, that is sneaky dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, because Gronk is the ultimate weapon, but Martellus Bennett is one of the better combo tight ends in the league. Totally is. So now you've got two of them? Yeah. Oh my god, that's 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 vicious. So Gronk out makes them more traditional on offense. Mm-hmm. They don't have the matchup nightmares that they had with Gronk in the game, so that's going to help you defensively. Um, on the other side, the, the Rams offense, look, all eyes are on Goff. Yeah. Yeah, your improvements, and we've seen elite quarterbacks elevate those around them. Mm-hmm. So, and I know it's unfair to ask a rookie in his third in game, his third start, facing Bill Belichick at Gillette Stadium. But man, hey, look, uh, the enemy's at the door, and I I know you're not ready, kid. But here's a musket. You got to defend. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to bring it. So, I, it's unfair, but that's where you are. If you want to finish above 500, it's all on you. That's true. I like the musket reference. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no song? Yeah, no, I'm a song for the musket. I don't know what I would say there. I love T-Far. Thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to do this in Providence. Everybody, thank you for listening wherever you may be in football. Studio 425, baby. Yeah, we will see you when we see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>